0: Right. Well, hi everybody. So good to uh, be together. Thank you, John. That was uh, amazing, just being able to bless the families and, um, you know, just believing God for his transforming power in our families, right? So today I want to talk uh, part two of the message that I started last week on, um, don't give up your confidence. <laughs> suddenly lost my confidence. No, I'm just joking. I just had a mental blank for a moment. But there you go. I'm with it again. Don't give up your confidence. I want to turn to uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, We're going to read again, as we did last week, from uh, 19, verse 19 to verse 25. So, Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, Since we have confidence, everybody say confidence. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith as you see the day drawing near. So we, um, we are in this passage last week. I was sharing about how the blood of Jesus has given us confidence to enter the holy places, that the blood of Jesus has sprinkled our hearts, that he has made us pure and holy, that, um, that in the Old Testament there was a, uh, a tabernacle, a tent that was uh, and a priest system that enabled the ancient Israelites to come to the to the presence of God to experience the presence of God once a year to receive atonement for their sins, and that uh, and that place was governed by a high priest who who had to come with special rules and regulations, but what we shared last week was that because of the mission of Jesus that that was uh, it, there in in um, the ancient Israel was actually pointing to a greater reality, the greater reality being Jesus Christ himself and the the tabernacle not being an earthly tabernacle made with human hands, but actually the heavenly places, the, the holy place where God himself dwells. And we have access to heaven and to the heavenly realms Not because of what we've done, not because of our own goodness, not because of our own abilities, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the blood of Jesus. The perfect life of Jesus that he offered up by the Spirit to the Father as a perfect sacrifice on our behalf so that his life It becomes our life, and we have access, not just because of the perfect blood of Jesus, who himself was the curtain that was, when his flesh was opened up, he made a way for us symbolically that was shown and represented by the moment Jesus died. You can read this account in the Gospels, that the temple, that the curtain that separated the presence of God, the holy place from the rest, was torn in two from top to bottom, recognizing that God himself did a work for us. And not only then is the blood of Jesus washed us and purified us, but he is a great high priest who's always interceding for us. So our confidence is that we have access to the heavenly realms, that we have access to him through Jesus, by the Spirit, and that Jesus has given us a life where we are now seated with him in the heavenly places. And, um, you know, that, that tabernacle was uh, a representation of an earlier establishment of of the presence of God dwelling with us, which was the Garden of Eden. So you can read the story in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, where God makes man in his own image. In verse verse 27 of chapter 1, he says this, Let us make man in our own image. In male, so he created them. Male and female, he created them. In his image, So humankind, we have been created as the image of God. When you look at another human being, what you see was meant to be the image of a perfect father. And, um, and so he, he's created us as his image. Now we know that, uh, well, so when we scroll forward to Genesis chapter 2, what we see is that God plants a garden... In the world that he's created, he plants that garden and he makes the ground burst forth with fruit and he puts man and woman into that garden. A couple of thoughts around that. Firstly, we're carrying his image when we are husband and wife or male and female, male and female together. Each one of us on our own is a portion of God's image, but together as humanity, male and female, we carry the image of God and therefore we need each other. We're created to be together with each other. We've been created by the Father in Christ Jesus to be united with Him forever and to live in that place together. And so Eden was this place where God dwelt among men. Adam and Eve experienced that communion with the Father where he would come to them and he would walk with them in the cool of the day and he would would walk and it would be a dwelling, it was the dwelling place, it was the intersection between heaven and earth. And so in that place, it says of Eden that there was all these trees that burst forth, including the tree of life. And then there was um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but there was these four rivers, this this one spring that became four rivers more accurately, this one that, that, that watered the whole earth from Eden. And God planted that for us. He established it for us. And then he put humankind into there, Adam and Eve there, to represent him. And the blessing, the the word that came was be fruitful. This is in Genesis 1.28. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, in your fruitfulness, actually make the whole world like the Garden of Eden. And God's plan and his intention was that he has created us as a family, the earthly family of God, to image him, to show each other what he's like, to speak to the creation about what he's like, and, and to dwell in communion with him together. And we, be, we were created for that place. We were created for communion and community with him forever. Now, we know from the story, you can read in Genesis chapter 3, that man, because God gave um, man and woman in his image, he gave him free will. He gave us free will. Adam and Eve used that free will to actually not live up to God, and that communion was broken. But Jesus, the mission of Jesus was to come and actually to recreate humanity, as the second Adam, the Bible calls him, to recreate us in the in the image of God, to re-image us in Christ Jesus, and those of us that are in Christ, we are now, in one sense, we're no longer human, we are actually in Christ Jesus as a new creation, right? And and, 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 And so Jesus has come to make us pure, as it says in verse 22, to make us pure, because he's sprinkled our hearts clean from an evil conscience, and he's washed our body with the water of the word. Jesus said to his disciples, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken over you, spoken to you. And as we experience the cleansing power of the word of God and the spirit of God and the blood of Jesus, that we are now, as, as Colossians uh, one twenty two says, we're now holy and blameless and above reproach in the Father's sight. And we've been washed clean and we've been washed pure and we've been re-imaged. In the, and, and that image now is not God just saying, I didn't want you to just take you and put you in a garden where I dwelt with you in the cool of the day. But now I'm dwelling with you for all time because I've put my very precious Holy Spirit within each one of you. And we've gone from a place uh, through the blood of Jesus from just communing with God on the outside to having God on the inside. Thank you, Jesus. It's glorious, isn't it? Because we've got when we got the Father, we've got the Son in us by the Spirit. We have the life of heaven on the inside of us, and so we have become Eden ourselves. More of that in just a minute. And so we've been created as a people. We've been created by the Father to dwell with Him and to experience Him. And ultimately we see in the Bible, when we read Genesis, uh, Revelation 21 and 22, what we see is another garden. that's actually a city that doesn't need a son because God is there dwelling in our midst. And that's our glorious future as we're going to an Eden. But the, the Eden isn't just dwelling with God, but d- God dwelling on the inside of each of us. Come on, that's glorious, that's good news. And so here's what, Paul, here's what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. We have a new and living way opened up through his flesh. We have a great high priest, therefore do me one thing, draw close, draw near. You know, it was Adam and Eve after they sinned, after they ate the fruit of which God said not to eat, what did they do? They hid away. They covered themselves, they hid from each other, and they hid from God. Before then, it says they were naked and had no shame, but they hid from each other, they hid from God. And, um, and, and God said, Adam, where are you? Not because he lost, you know, he didn't know where they were, but because they had just withdrawn themselves. Now, what Jesus is saying, the, the writers of the Hebrews are saying through Jesus, is actually, you don't have to hide anymore, you get to draw near. You get to come in close. So close, in fact, that you can't tell where Christ starts and you end and where you end and Christ begins because you're now united with him forever in one spirit with him. But we're to draw near, what, how? With a true heart, says in verse 22. We're drawing near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. That word true in the Greek actually means not concealed. It means that the outside matches the inside. There's consistency. There's, it's true, because what's it, what you see on the outside is actually the very same as its internal nature. May that be of us," the, said of us, that what you see on the outside is true, and is consistent with what is the reality of God on the inside of us. It's a, it's the true heart is that which is opposed to what is fictitious, counterfeit, imaginary, simulated or pretended. In other words, draw near to God with a pure heart, not with a mask. Not with a fig leaf of these are the things that I've done and, and I want to hide away my shame and I want to hide away my guilt, not just from you, God, but from all y'all as well. But we're actually to live with a true heart. Why? Because God wants us to experience him fully. Matthew 5 Jesus says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so there's this dimension where he's saying, let us draw near with a true heart. In other words, those things that are in your life that are stopping you from fully yielding yourself to God or fully living in a place of purity of heart, allow the Holy Spirit to deal with those. And we as a church, we have this great value on uh, the healing of of the hurts of life because not because we want just people to look good, but because actually we want you to have, and I want this for myself, that we would have unfettered, unhindered access between us and the Father, that we could step into the reality of all that God has won for us in Christ Jesus, the full access, and that there would be nothing of sin, of guilt, of shame, of condemnation, of anger, of judgment, of rejection, of abandonment, none of those things that that actually God has dealt with on the cross, none of those would actually hold us back and cause us not to draw near but to hide from God and from each other and that we would actually step in and draw near. And so we place a value on that. You know, that's why we have when we love ministries like Restoring the Foundations which is about getting to the issues of the heart that actually help us to get rid of the blockages that are causing us to be fully yielded to him and able to access and see him. That's where we, you know, we love things like the Thrive or our counselors and our other ministries that we've got that actually help us not to be better people, but actually to be purer in our connection with the Father. Of course, the outcome is that we're nicer, we're nicer people, but that's not what we're looking for. And 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 you know we've been working um, for the last some nine months. Erica, James, and some of our, our friends in the church have been working to to develop a free, our own freedom team. Right for that you know because we want to give you as much access as possible, whether it's through RTF or counseling or HeartSync or Emmanuel or the Freedom Team or just soaking prayer, whatever it might be. We want you to experience God and walk in freedom and walk in the life that he's won for each one of us as we get to access him and live in that place of union and communion. And as I said last time, you know, the reality is that actually The Bible says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, that we have access to him. And so whether we experience it in our natural mind or not doesn't make it any less true. But what God wants to do is to open the eyes of our hearts and give us enlightenment that we would see the reality of what he's doing, even if it's just by faith and if we, as we clear out the issues and the blockages, even as we were just talking about John was ministering to just now, are things like unforgiveness and bitterness and that kind of thing, that actually God wants to bring us into a greater level of freedom. And we're going to be sharing a little bit more about the Freedom Team and how you can access that. And you know, if you need to access RTF or other ministries, just send us an email, office.rally at catchthefire.com or freedom.rally at catchthefire.com. And we would love to help you and connect you. And again, it's not for us, it's not, it's actually for you, it's for your benefit, it's for your freedom, so that we don't have to walk around with masks. Masks with God, and masks with each other, because we've been created to live in family. Okay, the second thing I wanna just draw out of that living, letting, letting us draw near, is that actually we're called you know, when, Adam put, um, when God put Adam and Eve into the Garden of Eden, the command was, tend the garden and serve the garden. And so Adam's job was to, to, to tend that garden. And if we think now by the Spirit, Eden has become us, we've become Eden. Eden has become on the inside of us, that place where God and man meet in the dwelling place of heaven. How are you doing with tending Eden? Eden. How are you doing with tending your own heart? Are you allowing weeds to grow up? Are you allowing things to to kind of get in the way, rocks to be there? Or are you actually tending and cultivating a sense of a place of encounter and joy and love and ever-increasing freedom with the Holy Spirit? That would be our prayer, that we would draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And so what does that look like? Well, it looks like, here's some thoughts, soaking, soaking. I love to soak. I love to just put on some music. Sometimes it's with words, sometimes without words, and actually just rest in his presence and allow the Holy Spirit to wash over me and to bring peace and joy and a deep communion and fellowship with him. Sometimes I soak to no music whatsoever. Sometimes it's prayer. You know, we're just we're praying, we're asking the Lord, we're worshiping him with our, with our voices, we're speaking in tongues. The Bible says as we speak in tongues, we build our spirits up as worship, either corporately together or on our own. It might be singing, it might just be adoration, that there's a place of worship where we're tending the garden within us. Reading His Word, where we get to encounter the the Holy Spirit. The, The Bible says that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit is living and active. The Word is living and active. We experience Him in the Word. We experience Him in our imagination. We experience Him through journaling. There's lots of ways to experience Him. What we want, what the Father's won for us in Christ, is that we would experience him in multiple facets and multiple ways. And here's what comes out of that because the blessing was be tend Eden was then be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. What comes out of that place of tending Eden is the overflow to others and the multiplying of fruitfulness and the filling of the earth. You could say it, you know, if if we liken Eden to the kingdom of God, another way of saying that is kingdom of God come as we've been singing, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Another way, Habakkuk um, Habakkuk 2.14, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. So friends, draw near in faith because God has given us access. The second thing I want us to notice in verse 23 is let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And in this context, that confession of hope, I believe, is actually in the context of this verses is about our access to the heavenly realms. And so he's saying here, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us hold fast our hope that we have access and that all that Jesus has won for us now belongs to us and we're gonna take possession Of it, let us hold fast the confession. To me, a confession is a declaration. It's a it's a it's a statement that I'm making, and this is a a sense of belief by the sword of the spirit, the word of God. I'm confessing the word of God, making a declaration and a decree, and because I'm holding fast to that hope. And so, here's some declarations that I that I just thought of that you could make. I belong to God and to His family. You might feel rejected, you might feel alone, but the truth is that you've been invited and you've been won into, you've been drawn into by the blood of Jesus, you've been brought into a family. And actually, we're created for that family, just like uh, Adam and Eve were created in the garden for that place of family. Jesus himself came as the second Adam And he's creating his Eve, which is the church, his bride, to live with him forever, to be together with him. And we are called to actually belong to God and to his family. Here's another declaration or decree. I have been created to experience God. Here's another one. I am holy and pure, spotless and above reproach, blameless in his sight, Colossians 1, 22. You might not feel that way in the natural realm. If you don't feel that way and there's, you can see some blockages, get some ministry to get clear of those things. It's a lifelong process, I know, but we can, go, we can break through and move forward powerfully quickly when we tackle those things right here's another one I live in the heavenly realm and I carry the authority of the king Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says that I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms therefore I carry his authority a similar one that goes along with this I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms now even if I don't experience it in the natural so I have access to those heavenly places it's a confession of hope Speaking to your spirit, you might not believe it in your heart, but confess it until you believe it, right? Speak it out. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. This is from uh, Hebrews four sixteen that I, I can find mercy and help in my time of need as I approach the throne of grace because I have access to the heavenly realm. Another one from uh, Colossians 2 verse 3, God loves me, God speaks to me, he wants to reveal his secrets to me because in Christ Jesus are hidden the sum of all wisdom and all treasure and I am in Christ Jesus so that wisdom and that treasure is my inheritance because I'm in Christ and I'm searching it out. Proverbs 25, I think it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to search it out. You and I are kings called to search out the glories and the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. So hold on to that hope because God, the hope isn't just the confession of of the act of hoping. It's the very confession of the truth of God. This is what I am hoping for, an experience, an encounter, and a life of glory and goodness in Christ Jesus. And so the writer says, look, hold on to that hope without wavering. Don't bend, don't yield, don't just be firm in that why. It's not wishful thinking, it's not a new age confession of just believe it, name it, and it'll happen. It's the truth of the word of God because it's anchored into the very nature and the very character of who God is. That's what he says, he who promised is faithful. I love the description in Revelation 19 of Jesus as the one who is faithful. Faithful and true. It's his name. It's his nature. It's not just wishful thinking. It is who he is. He is the faithful one. And his word, we know from Scripture, always accomplishes that which it's set out to do. It never returns to him empty and void. So we can make a declaration. We can take the sword of the Spirit. It's like Kate preached three weeks ago now, I think, about how Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, He used the word of God as a weapon. He was saying, no, when Satan was saying, if this, if you're the son of God, do this, if you're the son of God, do that, he's like, this is what the word of God says. Paul says to Timothy, fight the good fight with the, the prophecies that you've received. Take up the sword of the spirit. Take the word of God, make a daily confession. Speak to your atmosphere, speak to yourself, speak to your heart until you find yourself believing it come on. The third thing I want to just draw out as we're closing in is, is uh, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. So here's the thing, because we're, we're you know, we've been made in God's image, recreated t- t- together in Christ, in God's image, and we're fully bearing that image when we are together. And so, yes, we are, there's a dynamic where we can experience God on our own and it's good and it's glorious, but there's also a power that comes when we are together. You can see the negative of it in, uh, in uh, Genesis 11, where you see the Tower of Babel. And God says to them, wow, they could do anything that they would put their minds to because they're united. So he puts them and disperses them across the face of the earth. They weren't being obedient to his command and they were trying to achieve God's status on their own. There is power in our unity. Jesus says this, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am. He says this, if, you, if two or three of you agree about, anyth- agree about anything on this earth concerning heaven, it's going to be done for you by my Father in heaven. There's incredible power in, the, in unity. When the Holy Spirit fell at the day of Pentecost, it was like a reverse of Babel. It was the power of God coming upon them and all the nations now speaking this, you know, different la- languages but able to understand each other and be united with each other. There is power in being together. And the enemy the, in, in this, the, the accuser, is wanting to separate us and divide us because he knows how much power there is when we are actually meeting together, right? And so there's that. So And so he, when we meet, what are we to do? We're, we're to consider how to stir one another up. That word stir up means, in the Greek, it's a provocation. It's like when somebody punches you in the ribs enough times, you're like, enough already. It, re, it gets a reaction. You know, we were walking this, to the, to the uh, store the other day, Ash and I, and there's this little kid going, where are we going, where are we going, where are we going, where are we going, where we going, where we going, where are we going, where are we going, where are we, where are we going, where are we going? You're like, okay, enough already. The mom was like, we're moving this way. What's he doing? He's he was like jabbing and provoking. So this word, in the positive sense, is that it's like to stir each other up, to 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 come alongside each other and to say, "Hey, come on, come on! This is who God's called you to be. This is what I see in you. This is the glory of God upon your life. This is who you've been called to. Come on, let's do something together. I see that God's got power in your life. I see that you've been called to this. Come on, I stir you up to love and good deeds." so that we're not on our own. It's like that, that relationship that we have with our Father, it's vertical with him and us in that place of Eden, but if, we don't, if it doesn't end up in the horizontal realm, we've missed half the point. That we are to gather, to stir each other up, to encourage. And, and so what's the purpose? It's not just the purpose of gathering together, but it's actually the purpose to encourage one another. right? And, here, and then he goes on to say this, don't neglect to meet together. It's really hard to stir one another up to love and good deeds if we're not meeting with someone else, right? Even if it's two people gathering together, we can stir each other up and we can charge each other. And, um, you know, Paul, the, the writers of the Hebrews here, he doesn't say wise people have, have got out of the habit. He just says they've got out of the habit. And, you know, I know in this season with COVID and, you know, for some of us, it's really important that we, because of health reasons and other things, we stay away from gathering here on a Sunday or, you know, there's just other things that have been going on. Sometimes for some, it's just a habit that people have got out of the habit of gathering together and there's no judgment in that. But hear the word of the Lord, don't give up meeting together. And that doesn't mean to say that you have to be in person in a big group. You can be online online together. You can be in groups of two or three. That's what I love about the beauty of what Jesus said. He didn't say when you gather together on a Sunday morning where there's 100 or 200 or 300 or however many. He said two or three. And you know, this Sunday gathering is, I, I love gathering together and worshiping. And I was chatting with somebody last week who, who said they, you know, they just felt the presence of God and had an encounter with God here that they felt they couldn't have had at home because of the corporate sense of God amongst us. But this, this meeting is not the be-all and end-all of our church life right? Our gathering is not just here. Actually, if you come to a a connect group, a small group, whatever it might be, and you're gathering in twos and threes, that's just as powerful, just as important, just as vital to what God wants to do amongst us, right? So don't stop gathering. I'm not talking about just coming on a Sunday morning. I'm just saying, listen to to the writer. Don't neglect meeting together. Get together online, get together by phone, get together by in person, whatever it looks like, do it. Get together because there's power in our unity. For Ash and I, we, have, we, we, we meet with two different groups of people every, just about every week. We have a, a Wednesday night, we have a young adult gathering of our lead, young adult leaders that we're sort of pouring into and wanting to release and see God, God move and want to encourage them. And then we have our staff connect group where we gather all of our staff on a Thursday morning. That's a more recent thing. And I have to tell you that those two gatherings are some of the highlights of my week because we're together in God, experiencing him and enjoying him. And so I want to just say to you, if you're not part of a connect group, please join a connect group. If you're not part of a team, please be part of a team. If you're not with gathering with other people on a regular basis, whether it's in person or online, please do so, because there's great power in doing that. And why do we gather? Well, it's not just not just to have fun and connect, but you can see from verse 25 that the, the intentionality is here, that encourage one another, particularly the more you see the day drawing near. I think what that means is this, that, that Jesus is coming back. Yay. And he's coming back soon. Therefore, there's an urgency that comes with that. But also we know that Jesus prophesied that there's great persecution, there's increased lawlessness, and, there's a, there's, and in other words, time is too short to waste Messing about, gather together, encourage one another, particularly because Jesus is coming back. And what are we gathering for? Well, we're gathering to encounter God together, we're encountering His transforming presence, we're gathering to love and encourage each other, and we're gathering to stir each other up to our apostolic mission and calling. Because sometimes we get weary, sometimes we need a shot in the arm, sometimes we need some encouragement just to say, Go for it in your workplace. I can see what God's doing. I can see what God's doing in your family. I can, we're going to pray together and believe God for breakthrough, just like we did this morning in, family, in our families. You know, we can stand shoulder to shoulder and bless each other and stir each other up and bring each other into that apostolic calling and the mission that the whole earth would be Eden that every heart would experience Eden on the inside, that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, that the kingdom of God would fill all of the earth. And so as I'm wrapping up, I want to just say a massive thank you to all of you that are gathering to one another, each other. 57 times in the New Testament, there's this phrase, one another. Even here we see it, encourage one another. You know, we're not called to live it on our own. We're not called to just come to a Sunday gathering and then kind of listen to somebody speak or whatever. We're actually called to be alongside each other, to love each other, to bear each other's burdens, and to carry each other. So for every way that you are doing that, glory to God. Thank you for being obedient to the Holy Spirit. For those of you that are leading a connect group or another group, a small group, whatever the size of the group, that doesn't really matter. But those of you that are giving yourselves to do that, thank you. And if you're not part of a connect group, well, those of you that are, particularly those of you that are on an online connect group and you're being faithful to that, thank you. And those of you that are not, I really want to encourage you. Don't give up meeting. Find some people to gather with, to stir one another up, to access heaven together with. Okay, so let me just wrap up here. We've, in those, those verses, we see three things. The faith, it's the full assurance that says you have access. Hope, that is a declaration and a confession that we make. Love, that is something that we express to God and to each other. And Jesus, uh, sorry, Paul says, the greatest of these is love. So here, as I, as I draw to a close, let's talk about faith. Let me recap this very quickly. If you feel like you're in a situation where you're not sure that you've entered into your full heart yet, your true heart, where you know that there are things like bitterness or unforgiveness, a sense of rejection or abandonment, a sense I don't belong, if you're struggling with some kind of pornography or other addiction, if you're struggling with um, you know, lies or pride or, um, or grief, or a- anything that you know is coming between you and your relationship with the Father, I want to invite you to actually get some ministry, to have someone come alongside you and to help you work those things through, whether it's our freedom team, whether it's restoring the foundations, whether it's a counselor, whether it's something else. Deal with the trauma that God's, if you've experienced trauma in your life and that trauma is stopping you from fulfilling God's purpose because you always get triggered by fear, deal with that because by faith, you've given everything in Christ, and you have access. Don't let those things hold you back. If you have, for those of us that maybe we feel like we've got getting in touch with our true heart, although I would say it's a lifelong journey that the Holy Spirit brings life on, and we have to, you know, when anything brings things up, we deal with them. The second thing is make a decision that you're going to hold fast to your confession of faith, of hope, I should say. Make your own declarations. Make them daily. Press on for more access. If you don't see in the spirit realm, make a declaration. This is my inheritance, and I'm believing God for it. And then thirdly, love. Be a provocation. Be someone that, in love, jabs other people in the ribs to say, come on, let's go. We can do this. God is with us. God's got you. We're going we're gonna to see God move. If you want to lead a connect group, connect with Rochelle and she'll help you, give you some training. Let's let you know whether that could be two people, you and someone else. If you're not part of a connect group, join a connect group, please. Because we have something, the Eden that God wants to bring to birth in us, that is more than just you or I individually. It's more than just us as a family gathering. It's actually for the nations, for his glory and his fame. So I want to invite you to stand and I want to offer an invitation. We have our, our freedom team here. If we have anyone that's had any, I, I haven't been able to see, uh, you know, get through all to know if we've got people that are, are trained in RTF, but if we've got any people that are trained in RTF, part of our freedom ministry or other ministry um, you know, where you're used to helping people through, I want to invite you up. There's the whole space available. I want to invite those members of our freedom team to come up. Um, And uh, any other heart ministers, please come up. And here's what I would like to do. I would like for us, because we have that value of dealing with the issues of the heart, I would like to invite you to make a brave, call and a brave decision to come forward for some prayer maybe the start of a journey maybe the start of some healing where you actually experience God and he helps you uncover and get to the root of the pain the trauma the abandonment the rejection the fear whatever it might be that is stopping you and hindering you from achieving and being all that God's called you to be and so there's people here, they're trained, they're equipped, we're trusted friends, they, we would love you to come and get some prayers. So if that's you, I just want to invite you forward right now. Just, it's, just be brave, come forward, receive the Holy Spirit. These guys are going to pray for you and believe God and partner with you. So just, you know, come forward as you, as, you know, as I've been speaking and the Lord puts some things in your heart that he wants to deal with. And um, for those of us that are coming forward here, just don't be shy. Those of us that I feel like I also want to say, make a decision to make confessions of hope to hold fast, okay? And thirdly, make a decision to be a provocation to others, to stir them up to love and good deeds. And as I wrap up here, what I want to encourage you to do, if you're online and you want some healing, then just send us an email, freedom.rally at But I would love to take a moment, put your mask on if you would, please, if you've got it. If you, if you don't have it, but there's people that are around you that you're comfortable to, to pray with each other without it, that's good. But just lay hands on each other and just say more Holy Spirit if the Lord releases a prophetic word to you release it stir yourself up to love and good deeds to release other people into those love and good deeds so go for it thank you thank you Holy Spirit